3. Chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Exodus. Chapter 4, let's stand for the reading of the Word. I want you to find a verse that I'm about to find for you. Exodus chapter 4, verse 24, if you're all there, say amen. New King, New King James. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met and sought to kill him, talking of Moses. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely... You are a husband of blood to me. So he, talking of God, so he let him go. Then she said, You are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. Let's pray. Lord, clearly you took hold of me in my truck on the way over here. And I'm mindful that I don't have the, 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 the skill or the ability that it is going to take to do what you want to do in our hearts tonight. I thank you for this Kairos moment. Holy Spirit, come. Give me liberty in preaching. Use me, God, as a vessel. Come upon all of us to give us ears to hear and a, hearts to res- a heart to respond, which you would say unto us this night, as your people, as the ecclesia of God, as your holy one, Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Release truth tonight. May we never be the same. If you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, go ahead and do that right now. Amen. You may be seated. To give you the context of what's happening here, God has called Moses. Moses was drawn aside by... The burning bush, God reveals Himself to him, encourages him. He doubts, doesn't think he's the right guy. The Lord does some wonders for him there, and He sends him on his way. In chapter 4, that's in chapter 3 of the book of Exodus, chapter 4, they complete that transaction. And in verse 18, Moses goes to Egypt. Moses decides... I'm going to do it. I'm convinced. I'm your guy. After 40 years on the backside of the desert, Moses goes. But there's this unusual verse of Scripture that I personally have never heard it preached on. Maybe you have. You can look into commentaries about verse 24 of Exodus chapter 4. And they... They disagree, many of them. It's an unusual verse of Scripture. But here's the case. This is the situation. Moses, the deliverer, God's chosen man, is now on the way back to the house of bondage, back to his home, if you will, to go deliver God's people. God heard their cry, so he's selected Moses. In fact, it says, I've heard their cry. I've come now to deliver them. He selected Moses. If Moses wasn't going to do it, it was going to be somebody else. God heard their cry. He was coming to deliver them. Moses agrees, and he goes on his way. While he's on the way to Egypt, God comes to kill him. Now, that is unusual. Why would God come to kill his chosen servant? Obviously, something's wrong. And we can tell what happened. Zipporah, who was a Cushite, 
takes action that saves Moses' life. It appears that something's out of order. In fact, the text that I read in the New King James says, because of the circumcision. It came to pass while he was on the way. He's on the way to Egypt. He's at the inn, says the, says the King James. Encampment, says New King James. The Lord met him and sought to kill him. We don't know how God was going to kill him, but God was going to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone or a flint stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at the feet of Moses. Circumcision was a sign, is a sign of the covenant between God and His people brought about during the time of Abraham. It's the Abrahamic covenant, circumcision. So Moses clearly knew about that. In fact, he was with there in his home for three months before he was put in an ark and sent out in the Nile. He was circumcised himself, odds are. So now he's on the way and he's not followed through in this next generation to see them circumcised. His own kids are not circumcised, but he knew clearly that was righteousness and he needed to take care of that. I propose tonight that the reason it wasn't done was his wife didn't particularly care for the knife to come upon her son. Understandable. Come on, somebody say it's understandable. Don't hurt my boy. We don't understand this cutting thing. This is weird. And somehow, I think she just had influence over Moses. He figured, well, God understands. She's a Cushite. I'm a Hebrew. He'll just have mercy on me. And he goes. But God doesn't oversee that. God doesn't wink at that. And, and literally comes to kill him because of this act of covenant is not completed in his own family. If you'll go now to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua is leading God's people. Moses, his the servant of the Lord is now dead. Joshua is now in charge. The Jordan's been miraculously cut off from the city of Adam all the way to the Dead Sea. And God's people cross over on dry ground. They get to the other side. They make a memorial. Memorial stones are put in the middle of the Jordan as well as on the promised land side. These memorials, these pillars, if you would. They get to the other side, and chapter 5, verse 1, and so it was, the king of the Amorites, chapter 5, verse 1, the book of Joshua, as it was, when all the kings of the Amorites were on the west side of the Jordan, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, their hearts melted. So the enemy is totally terrified because they're facing an army that does supernatural stuff. And their hearts melted. They're freaked out. Our chariots, are you gonna, our chariots, are you going to fight against a God who parts, parts the Jordan? Turns off the waters of, at flood stage. And verse 2, At meantime the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise your sons. Circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. Now, to understand this, I've preached this text before. I don't want to go into all of it. But I want to say that in order for them to be the deliverer and to bring them into the promised land, there were some things they had to keep in order or some things to bring into order. Now, in this case, the fact that they weren't circumcised showed their parents contempt. Do you know that word? That shows their parents hatred for the things of God. And really their desire to go back to Egypt. Their sons were not circumcised. They were born in the wilderness. The whole other generation had died off. And now here they are. They're going to cross over into the promises of God. Here they are. They're going to cross over into all that God said. But then the Lord says, you've got to be circumcised before you go forward. The commander of the army shows up just after that. The captain of the host. A theophany. 
the king of kings, if you will. Many theologians say that when the, the captain of the host of the armies of the Lord stood there, it was Jesus. That happens just after, the, just after this circumcision. Amazing to me that God's people were not circumcised. They understood that clearly. Moses knew it. Perhaps he didn't understand the gravity of it. Perhaps he didn't understand how important it was to follow through on everything that God said. They're circumcised and the, the enemy's heart is melted because of fear. Turn to another passage of Scripture. The place where Joshua... 1 Samuel 15. The place where Joshua had the people circumcised was a place called Gilgal. And the Lord said, Today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt, if you read that and study that passage of Scripture. Now in 1 Samuel chapter 15. They are also at Gilgal. Same exact location. Saul has just defeated the enemy. He's got a word from the prophet. The prophet told him to utterly wipe out, if you look at verse 2, thus says the Lord of hosts, verse 2 of chapter 15, 1 Samuel. Thus said the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. How he ambushed him on the way he came from Egypt. And I've recently preached a message about that also. About how Moses went up on the mountain. Do you remember Moses went up on the mountain and he would hold up his hands. And as long as he would hold his hands up, then the battle would be won. He had the rod of God. Joshua was down, in, in, down fighting with the men. Moses goes up on the mountain. In fact, Moses says to Joshua, you go fight, I'll go up with the rod of God. Now, if you're Joshua and you hear Moses say, I'm going up with the rod of God, it's just like, why even go out? Because the rod of God, part of the Red Sea, all the plagues, I mean, these guys are going to get so whooped, we'll just show up and it'll be easy. Moses goes up, stretches his hands, and every time his hands are up, they win the battle. But he gets tired. The battle just doesn't roll over. It's not just like an instantaneous miracle. They're having to walk it out. They're having to fight. They're having to, to really put their hand to it. And his arms begin to get tired. And when his hands go down, they begin to lose. So Aaron and her, some of you know the story, hold his hands up. They sit him down and they hold his arms up. And as long as they did that, they won. It's interesting that it's the only time you see now in, in that story that the, the rod of God raised before the, the, the adversary doesn't do an instantaneous miracle. And we talked about that. Why would that be? Some fights you have to fight. Sometimes there's instantaneous healing. Other times you've got to walk it out. And it's the only time really that the rod of God is used against people. Not inanimate objects, not gnats, not frogs. Creation just has to obey. We have an opinion. Man has a... Wait a minute. They, we, they, they, man's got an opinion. Because we're made like God, we have the freedom to choose. And so the first time the rod of God is stretched out over to win, is fighting, it's people fighting each other. And it takes a little longer. Now... The same group, Amalek, the Amalekites, are here. And Saul, the people wanted a king. God wanted to be their king. God wanted to be their lawgiver. God wanted to be their judge. It's called a theocracy. That's what he wanted. We've gotten actually the branches of our government come right, right from that out of Isaiah. Some of you don't know that. That's true. Executive, judicial branch, legislative branch, on, on and on, onward. So on and so forth, I should say. Now Saul is chosen to be king, and he's... They've basically rejected the, the king of kings to be their king, and, and they have now this other king, Saul, the first king. David is the second one. But here's Saul. This is where Saul loses the anointing. This is where Saul fails utterly. 
The word of the Lord here, 1 Samuel 15, verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel because he said ambushments. They, they creeped up. They were the first terrorists, okay? Now go and attack Amalek, verse 3. Utterly destroy them, all that they have, and do not spare them. Everybody say, don't spare them. Don't spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Kill it all, says God. Everybody say, wow. I mean, that's a hard, that's hardcore. Saul gathered his people, verse 4. He goes down. They have a battle. But a fascinating thing happens. You see, in war, when you would... He slaughtered most everybody, but he kept Agag. Agag was the king of Amalek. In ancient times, you would take the king of the people that you conquered and you would parade him around. And you would shame him. It would be like, I'm Saul. That's Agag. All his people are dead, but this is Agag. This is their king. And you'd humiliate him. And it would be like a trophy. God didn't want that. God wanted everybody wiped out. But Saul, well, Saul, he, he had another idea. He not only kept Agag, he kept, his, he kept some of the choice sheep. Come on, why, why waste God's resources, right? He kept some of the choice animals and livestock. He did not follow through on what God told him to. I want to preach a message tonight called Hugh Agag. Hugh is a King James term. The new King James says hack. Hack Agag. With like a sword. That's what he's talking about. Saul yields to the people and he begins to worship. He gets pressured by the people. He gets pressured. He thinks that he's going to lose popularity. And he does not wait for Samuel. There was a mandate from God, wait for Samuel, wait for the prophet, wait for me to return before you sacrifice. He doesn't wait. Peer pressure. Got a youth in here? Peer pressure drives him to do, to do the thing that the people wanted. I will tell you the fear of man is one of the most wicked things you can have in your life. The fear of man brings a snare, says Proverbs. The fear of man brings a curse. In, in Jeremiah chapter 17, it talks about the fear of man. That if you fear man, you'll be like a shrub planted by a river, but you'll never know when the river goes by. You'll be, in, you'll be in the desert, but you'll never sense the river. In my life, I have had to fight that thing and had to overcome it. And by the, by the grace of God, and I, I hope and pray, it's all done. If it's not, then show me, Lord, and pull it out of me. Help me. The fear of man will rob you, will rip you off. Moses didn't do the right thing. He knew the right thing, didn't do it. Why? Because his wife pressured him. I'm going to tell you in your marriage, in your relationships, you need to do the right thing. In marriage, you prefer one another. You submit to one another. But if there comes a time when your spouse wants to do something that's totally evil and wrong, how many of you know you don't submit to that? Hello. And if it goes all the way to the breaking of covenant, which can be child, wife abuse, child abuse, husband abuse in Alaska, there's some of that. Yeah, that's some big ladies. <laughs> big, what I mean is mean. I don't like, come on, what's wrong with you guys? Angry. People can get angry, lose control. No, husbands can get beat. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Moses was... And we're reading a little bit between the lines. We don't know exactly why Moses didn't circumcise his son, but he didn't. And his wife understood it was wrong. So when he's dying, her conscience was convicted. And she said, holy smokes, we better get the knife. Somebody say, get the knife. Take care of it. What are you saying? I'm saying that there comes things in your life that you have got to cut off. And if you don't cut them off, you ain't going to go into the promised land. 
There are things, cutting the cutting away of the flesh, it's cutting away those things that, that, are, that don't produce. It's cutting away the, the part that doesn't have anything to do with, with birthing anything. Agag was a trophy. Agag was a picture of pride. Agag was a picture of what Saul did. And who gave Saul the victory? Mind you, God did. And sometimes in our lives we want to just hold on to the Agag and pretend it's going to be okay. I love what, I love what Samuel did. Samuel In verse 32. Then Samuel said, Bring Agag, the king of the Amalekites, here to me. So Agag came to him cautiously. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag in pieces before the Lord at Gilgal. What do you say? I am telling you tonight, under the fear of the Lord, that you cannot and you will not go into all that God has if you keep Agag. You hold on to the very things you know you're not supposed to hold on to. You will not go in to possess. I'm not saying you'll miss heaven. I'm just saying you'll miss the fullness of what God has. You'll miss what God has for you in your life. What is the agag in your life? Some of you have secret sin. Some of you have issues on the internet. Some of you are just, you know, half in the kingdom and half in the world and you feel like it's okay. It's not okay. I understand that the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit can come and really quicken somebody's heart to show them what Agag is. And in being consistent with who I am as the pastor of this church, I'll just wrap myself out to give you an example. I had the opportunity of going to Washington, D.C. to be with John Hagee. Anybody know who that is? Small time ministry? And Dr. Morocco. And to go to Christians United for Israel. He's going to stay in, in, in the same hotel and be there as an armor bearer and, and, and part of their entourage. They're going to have an impact, and I believe they're going to have an impact, into the politics of our country and to Israel. We'll believe that they'll have... I know there's some things about John Hagee that some people don't agree with. And I, I, as long as God is honored and Israel is lifted up, I think that's a good thing. There's issues regarding the, the, the dual covenant. And the truth is, I can't speak intelligently. Some of you know what dual covenant is? Two of you. Well, then I'll educate you for a second. Oh, you need to know this. Now, I don't know where he stands, and I'm not going to pretend to know that. But because of some books written in different things, it was mentioned that he believes in dual covenant. Dual covenant is this. Dual covenant is that if you're a Jew, you're going to make it to heaven because you're a Jew. Period. You're God's chosen people, and God has a covenant with you because you're Jewish. Because you're part of Israel, and I'm super simplifying it. But then there's another covenant. That's one covenant. The other covenant is you must receive Jesus, His blood, to cover over your sin. And without that, without that, because He's the way, He's the truth, he's the, he's the life. Without that, then your sins remain and you'll not make it to heaven. Two covenants. We don't agree with that. If you don't have Jesus' blood over your sin, He is the Messiah. He is the Lamb slain before the beginnings of the foundations of the world. If you don't have Jesus' blood over you, if you have not repented of your sin and you continue to live and do whatever you want to, then you basically will not enter in, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Period. It's God's desire and will for you too, but if you don't do that, you have to do that. That's mandatory. You have to live for Him. It's got to be real. You must be born again. So I'm invited to go to be a part of this. I'm mindful has been prophesied over me about a Joseph anointing, about a Daniel anointing. That is my name, Daniel. 
I've prayed and I won't share all the different things that God has shown me, but I, I felt like, man, this is, this is God. This is God. I'm going to D.C. God's going to use me. I'm going to stand as a spokesman for Alaska because Alaska has a tremendous destiny, this state does. And so I'm going to go to D.C. and God's going to position us and we're going to be right there, all for the glory of God. Come on over and say, all for the glory of God. I made all the plans. I, I was, God released the money. I mean, everything was in place. I go to buy my plane ticket. Plane ticket from here to D.C., $479 round trip. How many, of you, how many of you know to fly that far? That is amazingly inexpensive. I'm typing my name in. Daniel Bracken. I start losing my peace. Well, I ignored that. I figured it was the pizza I ate or something, so I moved to the next line. I'm in getting increasingly ill as I continue. And before I know it, by the time I get down to punching in my credit cards, I'm just like, oh, God, I can't do it. I mean, I just can't do it. So I turn the thing off and I search myself. Is this, is this an old pattern? Are you, do you have fear? Is there some worthiness thing going on? There was none of that stuff. None of it. I searched my heart. Nothing like that was hindering me. from. It was literally the Spirit of God keeping me from buying the ticket. So I figured, well, maybe there's a problem with the plane. Maybe he's going to give me a better deal. Maybe he wants me to spend more money. Can I tell you something? Sometimes God's ways are not your ways. He wants you to be on a different flight. Would you spend a hundred more bucks? How about two hundred more dollars to be on a flight to sit next to somebody he wants you to sit next to? Do you think he can do that? Oh, he can. But you might miss that because you're trying to penny pinch. Mm. You've got to be led by God. So I'm just feeling the leading of the Spirit. Do not buy the ticket. So I wait. I pray. My wife, she didn't want me to go. You know, we never want to be apart. I mean, what else is new? That's just the way we are. So, but she doesn't feel like a real check. She's just letting the Lord lead me. So we wait. I try to get in. I try to get the ticket again. A couple days later, same thing happens. I'm thinking, man, Lord, you provided. I'm, they called me. I'm supposed to go. I mean, it makes sense to me. Don't you want me to go? And I, and I, I'm. You know, I just feel like I see all the signs, but it's quiet, kind of. I can't buy the ticket that day. I tried to do it again the second day. You know, the next, a few days later, I tried to do it again. I can't buy the ticket. Finally, at that, I said, fine. I won't go. I personally think you're messing up, but I'm... I didn't say that. I, I know better. But i got to tell you. I want to tell you. That there's part of me that's ambitious. There's part of me that wants to do a great thing for God. All for God, though. All for God. Guess what? It's not all for God. Got a little agag. Don't look at me like, don't look at me all religious. Not you, huh? You don't have any agag. So I prayed and I and I put the thing to death almost till today. It's not too late to buy a ticket. There were some reasons and and actually the whole thing was a part of this massive breakthrough that I'm in the midst of, which I will testify when it's over. All of that played into my massive breakthrough. All of the fingerprint of God was everywhere except the peace. I had no peace. Want to know a very simple thing about following the Lord? Go with the peace. Don't ever violate your peace. Sometimes I've, sometimes I've resisted what the Lord wanted to do because of my own internal fear. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about making yourself comfortable and, 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 and not doing something so that you didn't have to face your fear. I'm not talking about that. You've got to face your fear. And so, today, in the midst of prayer, I got a call from John Hagee's ministry. And oh, how I did not want to tell them that I wasn't going to go. How, I mean, you, you, you want to talk about... <laughs> look, look if, if, you, if, you're trying to, if you're trying to position yourself... 
if you are trying to position yourself so you could have influence to cause ministry to grow, that would be the stupidest thing you could possibly do. Yeah, cancel that trip. Duh, no. But part of me wanted to go. Because there's, I, look, how many of you got favor on you? You know it. I'm not talking about being, I'm going to say you got favor on you. You walk in, you get, you get the deal. Then people look at you, they go, whoa, hey, you want to go to the front of the line? Let me give you this special. The parking space opens. That's all about walking with God. You walk with God. You live with God. You live righteousness, holiness, purity. You walk with Him. You have favor. I've got favor. I know that if I go, that there was going to be some connections that were made for Alaska. But part of it was for me. And the Lord so convicted me. I repented for my, I've repented for my striving. Repented for my, my ambition. Ambition outside of God is straight from the pit of hell. It is your flesh. And you can put, you can put anointing on your flesh and try to wrap it up and say, well, doesn't this give glory to God? Look at Agag. We wiped out everybody. Look at Agag. You're supposed to heal, you knucklehead. Everybody was supposed to be circumcised, but it was uncomfortable for you and you didn't want to do it. God will bless it anyway. Oh, no, he won't. So I got the call from John Hagee's ministry. I saw the number come up and we're in prayer. And I looked at that number and I thought, oh, I'll just call him back. Maybe God will intervene between now and then I'll be able to go to D.C. Truth is, when I saw it, I realized, oh, here we go. Praise the Lord. I'd already prayed through. I know I'm not supposed to go. I turned around, walked in the aisle, down the, 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 the aisle here, and I answered my, swiped my phone and said, Hello, it's Pastor Daniel. And they said, Hi, this is John Hagee's ministry. You know, we, we're just confirming your room and, and uh, everything. want to confirm everything for you coming to your trip to D.C. We're so excited. God's going to move. And the Christians United for Israel. And we're, we're thrilled that you're going to be a part of, uh, part of the, the team. And I just thought, yeah, well, I, I, I'm not coming. They said, excuse me? Because that's like the stupidest thing any pastor would say. I mean, you, you know, other than like somebody died like your spouse or something, why, why would you do that? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not supposed to go. I had, I, had, I had people giving me prophetic words. I had people telling me, yay, you're going to go and be hooked up with ambassadors with other nations. God's going to connect you to Israel. Can I tell you something? I'm not supposed to go. I don't care how many prophetic words I got. Maybe those words are for later. And so I tell them, I'm terribly sorry. I'm not able to make it. I have to cancel. And they said, oh, okay, Pastor Bracken. You know, is everything okay? I said, everything's great. Okay. All right. Well, well, God bless you. I said, well, God bless you too. We'll be praying for it. And he said, oh, thank you. I said, okay, God bless you. Bye-bye. And I went back into prayer. Let me ask you this, and I'm going to close with this. What is, your, you know, what is your price that you'll sell out for? Uh, oh, I'll not sell out for anything. I'm sold out for Jesus. Oh, please. I mean, I hope so. That's where he's trying to get us to. What would you sell out for? I wouldn't sell out for anything. Are you sure? Are you sure? Have you hewn a gag? Has your heart been circumcised? Or are you just going through this thing so that you could get the blessing and then part most of it really is for you? Can God can God trust you with large sums of money? Can God trust you to to stand up as a witness in the midst of persecution? Can he? He said, I'm gonna be a martyr for Christ. We good die today. Today try dying now. Try dying when you want to be really, you're irritated with your wife or you're irritated with your husband and the last thing you want to do is be sweet and kind. Try dying right then. Try that. Try that martyrdom. Try that form of worship. A woman was at the, the Plaza Hotel on Fifth Avenue. She worked for the Plaza. I mean, if you know what the Plaza is. The Plaza is one of the finest hotels in the world. 
And a, a very wealthy oil sheik would come in the same time every year. This, this lady was a very attractive lady, pretty lady, carried herself well. She was one of the managers there, something like that. Every year he would come in and he would offer her money to sleep with him. And she was a believer. She said, no, I'm not, no. I'm, I love my husband. I'm, I won't do that. Every year he came back. Every year the price went up. It got to about a million dollars. And at a million dollars, at that particular time of the year, when he came in, the financial fallout of America had deeply affected them. Her husband had lost her job. Their house was looking at foreclosure. They were behind on all of their bills. They didn't know how they were going to come up with rent, uh, how they were going to come up with tuition payment for their children to go to university and then for a private school. And the sheik comes in and his, one of his people comes and, and says hi to her again. It's the same thing. It's been going on for years. And he says, two million. And she says, no. As the messenger from the sheik is walking away, she thinks to herself, it's only a one-time thing. This would take care of everything. Wait! He comes back and she says, I'll do it. Holding your wedding band, heart pounding, but feeling like she's doing the greater good. Going to save her family, going to save her kids. The Sikh's servant says, out front there'll be a limousine at this particular time. You'll, you'll meet the Sheik out there and then we'll, we'll take it from there. So she meets the limousine out front of the Plaza Hotel on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan, New York. Gets in the limousine. Sheik is there. They go to another hotel. They get out. They go to the room. She does the deed. He says goodbye and says, my servant will pay you in the limousine. She gets down to the limousine. They're driving back. And the servant says to her, okay, we're going to settle now. She says, yes, $2 million. He says, no. No, we're going to give you 50000 She says, what? No. $2 million was the deal. What do you think I am? And he says, we've already determined that. We're just negotiating price. What will you sell out for? If you don't hew a gag, you will come to a point in your life where you will not walk in the anointing. Saul was rejected as king. Joshua and his men, well, they went on to conquer, but they didn't finish. They didn't finish it. They settled before... Jerusalem before Salem was taken over before Jerusalem was taken over and drove out God's enemies Moses was almost killed because he didn't follow through have you been circumcised through and through for the Lord or do you have something on the inside of there some ambition that will hold you back do you have an idea of how it's supposed to be and if it doesn't work out that way are you going to reject God I did that I turned my back on God because he didn't do the very thing that I knew he said he was supposed to. You know, I knew I heard God. I don't think I did. I think I heard my flesh and my own desire so loud that it, that it was like God. Really, the truth is, I was God. It's in the process of me dying. And the Lord spoke to my heart on the way over here and said, Son, I'm not sending a revival because of you. I'm not sending a revival because of some great preacher or some pastor or some person. I'm coming to bring reformation to the state because I love that state. And if you have ambition in you, you will be no part of it. And I thought, oh God, oh God, I don't want it. I don't want it. If you want to position me and use me, then I'll just be a donkey for you. But God, if I'm trying to position myself, I repent, Lord. Where are you tonight? Where are you tonight? Have you hewn a gag or are you just playing? 
If people, listen to me, if people can move you off of serving God, you are never serving God. If people can get you so offended that you leave a church and you weren't there for God anyway. But so many people making excuses and pointing to people like they're the enemy. If your enemy is breathing and has flesh, it's not your enemy. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's the accuser of the brethren. And what some of you are in the midst of is basically a love test and a hewing of your agag. Die! 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 Die to yourself! Well, I got right. You don't understand, Pastor. I've come through so much. Oh, please. Keep going. Die to yourself. Die to your ambition. Die to your desires. If any man picks up his cross and follows me, Jesus said. You picking up your cross, that's healing again. Every day. Every week. Of every year. And if you end up just being a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord because you've obeyed, well, you'll be one joy-filled doorkeeper. And if it's to be brought to the White House to lead some great official or president to the, to the Lord, then so be it. What are you to say to the potter? Oh, My whole focus has changed. I'm changing my focus. I've changed it. I'll tell you what my focus is. You. I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to love you with everything I got. And Lord, I pray. I'm going to pray for myself. (laughs) Root out every bit of ambition and self. I repent for it, God. just want to be a vessel, Lord. And then part of me, yeah, part of me wants acknowledgement, and I curse that thing right now in the name of Jesus. We all, look, we all want a pat on the back, and that's, that's not bad. We should encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. There's nothing wrong with encouraging one another, but if it becomes your God, well, then you got a problem. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Did you get something from Jesus? Lift your hands to the Lord. not despise your weak love. You have things that cry out, that want attention. It's okay. Look, it's okay if you have an agag. It's okay if you're not fully circumcised under the Lord. Your heart, I'm talking about. It's okay. But don't stay there. I've sung songs about how I love him more than anything when truth is I maybe loved him 80%. But here's what I'm finding. As I take the correction and the pruning of God 
for his great love for me. Some of that falls off and 80 becomes 85. And turn 85 as I continue to take the molding and the correction of the Lord becomes 90. I want to love him with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul and all my strength. I do not want Agag. I do not want some uncircumcised part of my heart. You need to break all allegiances with your flesh. You need to cut off every assignment of the wicked one. You need to cut all ties to hell. Cut all ties to hell. You need to break the tolerance of a spirit of Jezebel. The Lord spoke that to me through Lou Engle. Lord breaks the tolerance of the spirit of Jezebel. I'm thinking, whoa, that's heavy. Do I have any? I guess maybe. I think maybe, yeah. Jesus, show me where that is. Break it. Break tolerance to sin. Break it. Break Break it. Come against your pride. Humble yourself. You don't understand what they look. Is God the judge of all? Is he or is he not? Is he or is he not? Okay, the judge made a mistake. I was at Palmer and they made a mistake. Can I tell you something? That judge was allowed to make the decision that he made because God allowed him to make it. So just get a hold of yourself, press in, and believe that the God, the judge of all, can rectify that thing if you're innocent. I've got rights. Let me talk about the rights that we have and I'll close. You have none. You all deserve death. We all deserved death. Everyone here. And if you have an... If you have a, an argument of how you didn't deserve to die, then you're still filled with pride and you haven't really given your life to Jesus yet. Fully. So we really all deserve death. And when you come from that viewpoint, that you'd be dead without Him, you'd be frying in the devil's hell right now if it wasn't for Jesus keeping your heart together and beating, if it wasn't for Him that redeemed you, then you would be lost. But you're here. And so the life that you now live, considering these things, the reasonable act of service, is to be a living sacrifice for Him. I love you more than anything, more than anything. If you realize tonight that you might have some things on the inside of you that God needs to hew or hack out, just be gentle, Lord. Be gentle, Jesus. If you have some things that need to be cut off, just agree with this prayer right now. You lay hands on your heart. Heavenly Father, I pray for all of us tonight. That you would come with a surgeon's scalpel and cut away everything that displeases you in our lives. And that we would no longer conform to the patterns of this world, ambition and selfish pride, vanity. We would agree with your word. Lord, we want to be consecrated ones. We want to live holy and righteous and pure. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Lord, we know that. Turn up the fire. Turn up the refiner's fire in this house. Turn up the fire. That's one of those crazy prayers. Turn up the fire. Burn off the dross. Burn it off. Hugh Agag. It's interesting that the prophet had to hew him. Some of you need to grab the sword of the word and cut that thing off you. And Lord, we'll do it. Come on, somebody say we'll do it. We'll do it. 
that we might sing with all our heart, with all our mind, and all our soul, and all our strength, that we love you more than anything. Just tell him. I love you, Lord. Every chamber of our heart we give to you tonight. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, fast and pray, turn from their wicked ways, cut down the agags, circumcise their hearts, turn from their wicked ways and seek his face. He will hear from heaven. He will heal our land. You're part of the land. He'll heal you. He'll heal me. Amen. Praise God. Put your hands together for Jesus. Come on, somebody shout to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Take someone by the hand all across this place. Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. And give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you Sunday morning. Be a part of all the great things that are taking place. Southern Gospel Group on Thursday at 7. There's life groups tomorrow night. Trent and Amy Broom at 6 o'clock. At Anita's house, you can talk to those guys. They'll give you directions. A lot of great things going on. Tuesdays, we've got uh, Growing Kids God's Way. You can be a part of all of those different things that are taking place. We love you. Praise the Lord.